0: See, right guys? Crazy environment.
1: Yeah, crazy environment. I got a Snapchat from Logan about 2 hours before tip off saying I hope we have at least 1500 fans in attendance. So, I don't know anybody that went tonight, um but it looks like oh you played extremely well. Um finally got to score some points. Uh once you don't once you don't face a Big 12 team, uh Big 12 defense, oh was able to score some points. So, um obviously wasn't the game that we were expecting to be playing in. We were hoping to be playing in, but um, You've got to be proud of the guys for coming out fighting. And, you know, they had every reason to, to kind of throw in the towel, you know, not be excited about playing in the NIT. Um, but, you know, congrats to Porter Moser. And we'll see if they can not uh, continue this run.
2: Yeah. When I initially saw the crowd on TV, I thought, man, that looks pretty good. And I didn't realize that it was general admission. So I'm sure that certainly helped. Um, and I texted a buddy that was actually at the game. He said it was pretty good considering it was a Tuesday, 6 p.m. tip for the NIT Um, But then you saw, I think someone did a zoomed out photo. I think it was John Hoover on Twitter, and it looked pretty sparse outside of just what you could see on TV, but they seemed to be pretty engaged uh, nonetheless. And yeah, you got to be happy. This team came out and the first half was a little shaky, a little back and forth. But then the second half, they really kind of loosened up and played a type of game that we really haven't seen in a a long time, um, probably going back into non-conference play.
0: Yeah, so just to recap, Sooner's win, 89-72. Moja Gibson with 28 points, including five three-pointers. Jordan Goldwater, 15 points with eight assists. Guys, upcoming uh, the winner of Colorado and St. Bonaventure on Sunday. Uh, again, as much as we don't want uh, you know to be in the NIT tournament, pretty cool that both teams are hosting postseason games there, Norman. Mm-hmm.
1: And Adam, shame on you for bearing the lead. Um, have to kind of touch on Corbin uh, getting engaged over the weekend. I can't believe this we're not going to me- mention that. How how did that
0: go? It was uh, it was the most important thing I've done the past week outside of calling that Hawaii would pitch to Jocelyn alo which I was spot on. So I want to take credit for that too. That was a close second, but yeah, engagement, guys. It's uh, you know special special weekend. Everything went by as well as it could go. Spent time up in Grand Lake, Colorado. It was great. Did she propose to you or? Were you the one that got down on one knee? It was a 50-50 decision. We both got down on one knee at the same time. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, I got down on one knee and uh, I was lucky enough she said yes. Did she know?
2: Did she, she knew it kind of was have coming. a clue?
0: She knew it was okay. coming. I will say the the best thing I have done in this entire proposal process was about a month and a half ago. We talked and I was like, listen, I don't know how to tell you how to do your nails before this happens. So any date that we have on the calendar, have your nails done. And she's been doing it for a month and a half, and finally paid off. There Corbin's
1: getting engaged. Adam has a wedding in a couple her couple months, and here I am just hanging out, hanging out, <laughs> talking football. I got I did get a tattoo uh, on Friday night, so first first one. Uh, but Is yeah, a, a cow of or margarita. Going. Uh, neither, neither. <laughs> I, <laughs> that, that might be coming up down the pipeline. Uh, but no, I had a, I had a cousin pass away last summer due to cancer. So just got a little something on the arm, uh, paying tribute to him. So, but, uh, yeah, back to sports, Co- uh, Corbin, congratulations. Um, Thank you.
0: Yeah, guys, let's, let's talk guys. a little bit. Cause it's something that feels removed now, but Sooners obviously miss out on the Blade tournaments. Everything in the resume said they should have been there, especially over some teams that, uh, made it in their place instead. But guys, and and Tyler, you'll probably know this just like I do, quoting president of the UFC, Dana White, don't leave it in the judges' hands. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what the Sooners did. If you look back, close losses cost this team, running through them very quickly, a 73-70 loss to Utah State, a 66-62 loss to Butler, 59-58 at TCU. 67-64 at Kansas. You guys catching a trend yet? 61, uh, excuse me, 71-69 against Kansas as well. And then, uh, you know, losing by two against Texas. And then obviously probably the nail in the coffin, losing by one against Texas Tech in the Big 12 Championship. Guys, you need one of those wins to go your way. And the Sooners couldn't find a a way to do it. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but there were plenty of opportunities there for, uh, for OU to be in this field. And they didn't get it done.
1: Well, it's tough because you just rattled off seven losses in which OU, <laughs> OU lost by a one to two possession. So, yep. you know, you, you make a couple shots here and there. One, uh, you know, ball bounces your way. Um, like you said, we're, we're talking about OU facing off in March Madness uh, in the tournament that actually matters and not talking about the the NIT. But no, uh, it, it's easy once the season's over to, to kind of take a step back and say could have, would have, should have happened. Um, you know, you can kind of, you know, kind of pinpoint what Oklahoma did wrong. But bottom line, Oh, you deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, losing Elijah Harkless the way that they did, they didn't have any business to, you know, they didn't have any real reason to, you know, try to close out the year strong. They could have thrown in the towel, winning four straight games to close out the season. They beat the number one seed, Baylor, uh, and was one possession away from knocking off what was to be a number three seed in Texas Tech. Um, But, Corbin, like you said, it's just frustrating seeing some of the teams that got in ahead of them. When you start looking at some of the net rankings and what the the so-called committee values when trying to rank these teams based on various mm-hmm. statistical categories, OU was far and away better than a lot of the teams that got in ahead of them. Um, and it's just the same that uh, more than six teams from the big
2: 12 couldn't make this tournament. I may be in the minority here, but I didn't shed any tears over missing the uh, the tournament simply because um, yeah, you play a tough schedule. Yeah. You play in the tough conference, But I kind of view this as like if Vanderbilt in football went five and six and started crying about not making a bowl game because they play such a tough schedule in the SEC, you know, as far as putting that in a football analogy, Um, I I guess if you aren't going to go out and win all these close games and we just lined them all up there, like all you had to do was win one of those seven different games that were within one possession and they didn't do it. So yeah, maybe they deserve to be in over Rutgers. Maybe they played a tough schedule and had a a bunch of great, you know, quad one wins, but the fact of the matter is, you didn't win enough games. You were a few games over five hundred. So, I, I guess I just can't sit here and go, "Oh, we played a tough schedule, so we should have gotten in." That just doesn't do it for me.
0: I don't. I don't know if it's. I, I'm not shedding a tear either, Adam. But it goes back to even things that we've seen, like the college football playoff. Who got in over them doesn't make any sense, and that's I think where probably the 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 grief is on this is if you look at the net rankings, if you look at quality wins, you know, quad one and quad two wins, they were significantly better than a, I believe it was a Rutgers that got in uh, even compared to like a Michigan that got in. And so you just kind of scratch your head and you're like, Oh, he's being punished for playing in a, in a tougher league. But one thing I don't understand and the big 10 has been notoriously bad in the tournament for the past few years is the big 12 has two, one seeds, but they have three less teams in the tournament than the big, than the big 10. It just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, I'm not going to pretend I watched, you know, college basketball heavily all year. So maybe there's something to the eye test I'm missing. It just, you know, anytime you get a human committee together, there's going to be flaws and this seems like something that uh, unfortunately is flawed and went against OU in this case.
1: Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was sitting here looking at the bracket and the big 12 has two, one seeds in a field of 68. So when you kind of go down the rest of the list, you know, you see a three seed, four seed, five seed, um, so the Big Twelve was the toughest conference in basketball all season long, from top to bottom. There was no night in which you could afford to, you know, to not bring your A game in order to try to win a basketball game. So, uh, yeah, it, it was unfortunate. Ultimately, we'll, we'll see how the Big Twelve fares once we do, you know, kind of dive into this tournament, see how we do against the other conferences uh, across the, uh, you know, the landscape of college basketball. But you know, SEC, the, they got their fair share of teams in Big Ten, like you just alluded to. Um, Oklahoma had a case that I feel like that uh, you should be upset that they didn't make the tournament, especially how they closed the year out strong, uh, especially with the run in the Big Twelve tournament. But also, you look at a team like Texas A and M that finished the year strong as well. I think yeah. Texas A and M might have even gotten screwed more than Oklahoma did. So uh, it's not too, it's not too often you see Aggies and Sooners kind of coming together to voice their displeasures against the NCAA committee. So, uh, but we'll see what happens. Oh, you got a big one tonight, and you know. I don't like consolation prizes this ultimately wasn't the the championship that i wanted to be you know have a chance to play for but you know this is the hand that you're dealt and we'll see if oklahoma can make a run at this and you know find their way to madison square garden
0: what what does this team have to do in y'all's opinion to or is there anything that can kind of make up for not hitting the or not making the tournament in the first year is it getting to the quote unquote final four of the nit is it winning it that's the only thing that would kind of improve your vision of this season or is it just kind of it is what it is and it really doesn't matter at the end of the day is there anything that kind of sway your opinions there
2: I guess to me I don't think there is really anything that can sway my opinion because even if they had made the NCAA tournament I did had very very little belief that they would have won more than one game you know this team wasn't going to make much of a run there anyway so that's another reason where but they
0: I- were Adam they, they were they had just beaten Baylor and and then they lost a tech by one it's, it's the best they had played all year
2: Yeah, but I I guess you're so far away from winning a national championship, so I guess there's value in making the Final Four. I guess there's some value in making the Sweet 16, but it was very unlikely that OU was going to be able to do that just because, let's face it, like, yeah, they played a tough schedule, but they were just not one of the best basketball teams in the country or even close to that. So, yeah, I guess they could go out and win the NIT, and that would be great, but you're also going to play a bunch of teams that also didn't make the tournament either, so... Right. I don't know how much you can really take from that.
1: Well, Adam, I kind of disagree with you because the metrics show that OU was one of the top 68 teams in college basketball this year. The the committee just didn't agree with that when when trying to determine who was you know more deserving. Uh, but no, I, I think that you have to consider this year. Um, I, I don't want to say failure is the right white is the right word, but you know Porter Moser said prior to the start of the first game of the season that getting this team to the NCAA tournament was a goal that he would set out for this team all the way back you know, going all the way back to last October. So the fact that they weren't able to make it, yes, it is disappointing. Um, but then also at the same time, too, you look at this basketball team, and outside of a couple of guys like a Jordan Goldwire, there's so many guys on this current roster that's going to be coming back in, in twenty, you know, in, in 2022, 2023. So use this opportunity in the NIT, get some of these younger guys like a Bijan Cortez, some more experience, play a few more games and see if you can't make a run at this NIT tournament championship and, you know, generate some momentum going into next year.
0: Guys, I know, uh, you know, past couple of weeks, you know, we were kind of on the impression maybe it wasn't the best thing in the world, but so many of these guys were scheduled to come back next season. Do we feel different about that now? Adam
1: might have something about the center.
2: <laughs> yeah, I texted you guys during the game and basically just said, yeah, I don't think that Tanner Groves is a Big 12 player. And uh, he's just disappeared in so many games. He's become less and less of a focus of this offense. And coming into the year, we thought, Hey, he's going to be the go-to guy. He's going to be the best player on the team. And, um, I, I just went back and looked at, you know, series by series against TCU. He averaged five points, tech, three points, Texas, three and a half points. Um, and so oh, you, if you're going to be the best <laughs> player on the team. You're just, you can't be held to five points, you know, or less against multiple teams, uh, in the Big 12 conference, you have to be a go-to guy. Even tonight, he was kind of like just in the background. Nine points, nine rebounds, like solid. But it's Missouri. Is, is that State. our
0: fault though? Is that our fault for seeing him play one good game against Kansas in last year's postseason, having too high of expectations? Nobody knew who he was before yeah. before that game. As as a as our fault as a fan base, or
2: maybe our fault as a pro yeah as going did, after did,
0: we, him. did we did we did we set the expectations too high for who this guy was based on one game? Yes,
2: probably. I mean, he did average 17 points a game at Eastern Washington, but now that you see him on the court, like he's too small against most teams that we play against. He's not athletic enough to really, you know, make a difference there. So he has to absolutely score the basketball, whether that's crafty moves underneath the basket or be a consistent, like shooting multiple threes and making multiple threes a game. I think he made on Mm -hmm. average about 1.1 threes per game this year. So Mm -hmm. Um, he just really wasn't consistent uh, part of the offense there. And we really need we really need some help down low, I think, to make that jump into that middle to upper tier of the conference going forward.
1: And I'm not sure if the you know if if us here on this podcast or even the OU fan base as a whole expected this guy to have a similar impact as like a Ryan Spangler did, you know, a few years ago, kind of being that stretch five player that can you know play down low, rebound, but also shoot the basketball from beyond the perimeter. But I I think it was real apparent once you got into Big Twelve conference play, you could see the you know the lack of athleticism the lack of size lack of physicality you know once you once we you were going up against baylor kansas some of those you know upper echelon teams in college basketball that have superior talent he just kind of got pushed around and like you said adam he was a non-factor on both ends of the court uh too far too consistent um than what we were expected to believe after you know his his season last year but we'll see um this will I guarantee you that Porter Moser and that strength and conditioning staff for basketball is going to challenge him this off season because um you know he he went through it this year. He got pushed around, he got physically dominated in a lot of games. So if he wants to have an impact more than just 7 or 8 points, you know, 7 or 8 rebounds and uh, occasionally hitting the three beyond the arc, then you know, he's got to get bigger, faster, stronger and we'll see what he can do going into next year.
2: Where would you guys grade this season? It's just I know we don't know what they're going to do for the rest of the NIT, but if you had to give it a letter grade, where would you start here? C- I give minus. it,
1: yeah, I, I was going to say C+. Plus. Um, I was going to be around the C- minus category up until they finished the way that they did to close out the regular season, beating yeah, number fair. one Baylor in the conference tournament. But um, yeah, your goal to start out this year was to make the NCAA tournament. You failed to reach that goal, and it was kind of underwhelming, especially after the strong start that they had this year. Um, so yeah, I, I'd have to go with the C plus. Um, but we'll see my, that could, uh, I would bump that up to a B minus or even a B plus if OU could figure out a way to win the NIT.
2: That's interesting because you said, Hey, the goal was to make the tournament and they failed, <laughs> failed would be an F. I initially, when I asked myself this question, I thought, yeah, it's gotta be an F. I mean, you don't, you don't make the tournament. That should be the standard. Uh, and in my mind, I think my standard is even a little bit higher for this program. I think, oh, you should be a top yeah. 25 basketball program every single year. That's traditionally kind of where OU has been up until probably the last four years or so of the Long Kruger era where um, OU was considered, you know, the second best program in the big 12 next to Kansas, traditionally going back 20, 30, 40 years back. Um, So I give some grace and grade on a curve a little bit because it's Porter's first year. There's a lot of moving parts, things like that. So I guess I would give it a D, and if they win the, the NIT, maybe I bump that up to a C minus because you finish strong. But man, if, if your goal there, is to make the tournament and you don't do it, that's a failure, right?
0: Yeah, but there's what different ways. Well, to, there's different ways to fail. I mean, this isn't like a team that went, you know two and whatever in conference play like they were competitive they lost a lot of close mm. games and if kind of going back to what tyler mentioned a, a ball bounce is different here there you hit one extra shot here there one extra stop here and there it's a completely different season and so i think there's different ways to fail and i mean they were literally two teams away from making the NCAA tournament i don't know i I'm, I'm not in a spot to put them at an f uh just because they didn't make it there's ways you i'm trying
1: to I'm trying to go back here um, as we talk on on Twitter and find what Bob Prisbillow tweeted out on Selection Sunday when OU was left out. What Oklahoma's net ranking was? I don't know if you guys it's know on top here. I think yeah, it was like thir- like 38 or 40. So yeah,
0: it's somewhere right there.
1: So I mean, if you're going off that grade alone, which I know that that factors in a lot of different you know statistical categories, uh, you know strength of schedule, you know strength of your record. Oklahoma was, was one of the top 68 teams in the country, especially at the very end of the season with how well they were playing uh, late down the stretch.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, we can sit here all day and talk about, <laughs> oh, you just need one ball to bounce your way. But we talked through about seven different games where we could have used that, and it didn't bounce our way. And sometimes you create your own luck. Like, the good teams don't get lucky. They create their own luck. And this team was not a good team. <laughs> um you know, I, I love the way they played tonight. They looked loose. Um, they looked fun. They were aggressive. They were taking chances on defense, stealing the ball. Um, I mean, they far outmatched Missouri State's athleticism on the court, and it, it really showed. And especially in that second half, going out to this big lead and you got so many guys contributing, that was awesome. But, man, like my standard is not to be, you know, the 68th team or the 65th team or, or whatever it is. Maybe they were a top 40 team, but they didn't win enough games to make it. So, I don't know. I can't go that high.
1: And just to kind of put a bow on this for me, and we'll move on to kind of our NCAA bracket reveal. Um, Oklahoma, uh, this is from Bob Prisbillo on Sunday. Numbers 1 through 38 in the in the college basketball net rankings are in the NCAA tournament. Number 39 was Oklahoma. OU was left out. Rutgers came in at number 77, and they're in the play-in game. So, um, like you said, Corbin, never leave it in the judges' hands. Take care of your business. Make it, make it absolutely – uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that you deserve to be in that tournament. So Oklahoma didn't win enough basketball games apparently. And, um, we'll go from there, but let's transition here, uh, to the NCAA bracket reveal, Adam, what, uh, what have we got going on right now? Um, in social media with what we tweeted out yesterday in terms of this bracketology, uh, NCAA tournament challenge.
2: Yeah. So if you're listening, what you should do right now is pull out your phone, open Twitter. Uh, if you're not following us, give us a follow at the mainline pod, but, um it's one of our our most recent tweets on there you'll see it there it's twice um basically we're doing a uh, bracket contest and uh, the winner takes all $150 prize there um you'll probably see all three of our names in the pool there obviously we are not eligible to win that prize um we're just competing for fun uh with everybody else but uh it's done through ESPN the the link is on there all the info the the rules about how to enter and 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 win a chance at that $150 um, but it's done through ESPN. So if you already have an ESPN bracket on there, just throw it in that group. Um, you know, give the retweet on the tweet there, and basically you'll have a chance at the 150 dollars as well. So um, definitely check that out. And I think all three of us have filled out our bracket on there as well. If you want to see some wrong answers, take a look at mine. <laughs> but uh, I know, I know <clears throat> we're we're more college football heavy. But do you guys have any strong feelings about you know who you got on your bracket right now?
1: I spent about five minutes filling out this bracket. Um, I have not watched much more college basketball than that uh, in terms of the other conferences right now. I think that you know from our time watching OU night in and night out, we have a pretty good gauge on what the Big 12 competition is going to look like. But um, a, f- a few things that kind of stick out from my bracket here um, in terms of a sleeper team, and then we'll kind of give our, our final four national championship. Keep an eye out on, on UCLA over here in the East region um baylor is the number one overall seed. kentucky um you know ultimately they came up short in terms of winning the conference championship in the sec over the weekend but ucla is a team um pretty easy draw akron right out of the gate then they play the winner of saint mary's and chances are the um probably going to be indiana in that type scenario so essentially you're gonna have to knock off akron and uh saint mary's to reach the sweet 16 um and baylor baylor's kind of hot or cold they're an extremely extremely good team when playing at home um, ultimately, that game is going to be um, at, a, at a neutral side. UCLA's got really, really good guards um, that kind of gave the other teams in the Pac-12 well fits all year long. So uh, I've actually got UCLA making it all the way to the Elite 8s, um, and the Bruins are definitely my team to watch out for.
2: Corbin, who's, who do you Adam? have? a Sleeper.
0: Yeah, I think for me, uh, staying local, Colorado State, I've got them advancing to the Sweet 16 uh, team that had a really, really Ooh. good record uh, throughout the year. I think a uh, tough draw going up against Michigan in the first round is, is a higher seed, uh, and so that's that's tough. But I'm a I believer in the, uh, the Rams of Colorado State, so we'll see where it goes. But a couple other upsets, quote-unquote, that I've got in the first round, Virginia Tech over Texas. Davidson over Michigan State, which I think will be a pretty popular pick, and then uh, Iowa State over LSU. Who knows? By Thursday, I may have switched all those back, but as things stand now, that's why I've got locked in. I also
2: had Iowa State over LSU. I didn't want to steal your thunder there, so i let you go first. (laughs) Um, As far as a sleeper goes, if you look at my bracket, my Elite Eight doesn't have anyone lower than a five. So Hmm. I was pretty chalk across the board on on most of that. So I don't know that there was one that stood out to me as a sleeper. And granted, I know very little about college basketball outside of that Big 12 conference. Um, So I guess if I was going to go with a sleeper team, I'll take TCU because I'm sleeping on them and I'm kind of just going YOLO with it. Um, TCU has the ability to beat some of those really good teams. They beat uh, Baylor. uh, I believe they beat Baylor. I know they Kansas. beat they beat Kansas they beat Texas, mm-hmm. um, they beat Texas Tech. So I guess they didn't beat Baylor, but um, they've they've played some really good teams and won some of those games. So who knows what can happen there? Um, so I'm sleeping on them. I'll pick uh, I'll pick
0: TCU as a sleeper then. What they'd get? What Arizona? I, I hate doing scenario? it. They would get Arizona. Yeah. That correct? Yep.
1: Yeah. I hate doing it, but I was pretty chalk heavy with a lot of my picks this year. Same. I think the biggest upset that I had was I've got number twelve UAB knocking off uh, the five seed Houston uh in the first round and then the guys like you were talking about with Iowa State. I actually have Iowa State going all the way to the sweet sixteen. Uh first knocking off LSU and then knocking off Wisconsin. So um but then kind of getting into our final four picks here. This one's I I I don't know. I, I've got Gonzaga, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn. I hate having three SEC schools part of the final four just because this is an Oklahoma podcast. You can't have three SEC teams, right? But uh uh, no, I've got Gonzaga going up against Kentucky, uh, and then Tennessee
2: facing off against Auburn. And um guys, what have you got before we get to our picks? Yeah, I've got Texas Tech, Baylor, Tennessee, and then if Iowa State upsets Wisconsin, they're my fourth team. I'm in big trouble. So um I <laughs> went away a little bit from the chalk. Two ones and a or I guess a one one and then three threes. So we'll yeah.
0: see if they can play I some am, upsets uh, there. Complete opposite. I've got three ones. I got Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas. And then uh, Kentucky playing Gonzaga in the final four guys. I used to be really damn good at this old bracket thing when I worked for men's basketball, but since then I have not quite been as strong. Uh, So we'll see how this pans out. I don't feel like I have enough upsets and that bothers me, but yeah, I'm just going to go with, uh, go with the trusted teams, I guess. But uh, yeah, to kind of get us started here, I've got Arizona knocking off Kentucky 67, 62 to win the national championship.
1: For the sake of my pick, Corbin, I really hope the Colorado State does not make it to the Sweet 16 because that means they <laughs> knock off my national champion. I'm actually picking Tennessee to be Kentucky to win the national championship. So they're, my they're final going four, the
0: whole SEC, and then the NCAA tournament to win it all. I just good uh, luck, dude. That's tough. I,
1: I, <laughs> they're hot right now, but yeah, I've got a three C, two twos, and a one. So, um, and I ex- actually I picked Duke to make it to the Final Four, but last second I picked Gonzaga to win it back. So, um, but yeah, Tennessee over Kentucky.
2: Yeah. The great part about us competing in a competition where we are not eligible to win the prize is that I can make a pick like Baylor over Tennessee and have zero reasoning for that national championship pick other than, ah, it just feels right. Um, And and that's about the extent of my national uh, basketball knowledge. And unfortunately, that's kind of a result of, hey, when OU is not a serious national contender and not truly in play for a final four, I tend to zone out a lot on what's going on in the national scene.
0: That's fair yeah. Baylor going back to back according to Adam Whew. Yeah.
2: that's tough yeah I mean good team we'll we'll see I mean he- uh, I,
1: well last uh wasn't good enough to beat Oklahoma last weekend so but uh no we'll we'll see how, how do you guys feel about um coach K final run here does he have how, a ch-
0: do they have a chance how much pressure on those freaking players man I mean like first off they're a super young team and then you've got the weight of if you lose coach K's career is over. So, I mean, you certainly could find some magic, right? If anybody's going to find some magic, it's, it's coach K, but I've got Duke losing in the sweet 16 in Texas tech. Same.
1: It's not an, it's not a completely unfavorable draw form though. I mean, Cal yeah. state Fullerton, probably Michigan state, then you're going to have to take on either Alabama or Texas tech. So if you can figure out a way to get by get by them, you've already beaten Gonzaga all the way back at the very beginning of the season. So you know, those players are going to have some confidence, but I mean, Hey, it's look, been a while. You talk about pressure. Hey, it's been a look while for since you I talked there. about
2: Michigan state though. That's a juggernaut. Duke's got a, got a hit up there in the second round. So
0: I've got them getting bounced by Davidson. So.
2: <laughs>
1: it, it would just be so fitting for Tom Izzo to knock out Cheshevsky one final time. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. If you guys are big Duke fans, I, I was a huge Duke fan growing up. Um, there's just something about it. I love, I love those yeah. Duke teams. So, um, you but yeah, the, the,
0: the Zubek, Zoom.
1: <laughs> the, the Zubek, there <laughs> you go. I was a big John Shire fan, John Shire, JJ yeah. Reddick. Um, I was never very good at basketball, but I could shoot so watching a team full of a bunch of white boys that could shoot the three was was a lot of fun hey so.
0: if you put the the uh, ball in the basket you got a chance to win so
1: chances are if you outscore the <laughs> opponent even if it's by as little as one point it's a pretty good shot of winning the basketball game so let's yeah. transition away from uh, march madness on the men's side of things uh and let's go here local where the ou women's basketball team uh a number four national seed uh right here at home for jenny baronchek's first year as head coach so oklahoma is is set to uh host the first two rounds of the ncaa tournament right here in norman a 9 p.m tip-off on saturday night are the olds gonna make it out on saturday or what how many people are we expecting for this (laughs)
2: <laughs> i still Maybe think you'll we'll see, see some good students crowd. yeah no i think i think we'll get a good crowd it's uh saturday night after spring break i don't think we'll see too many students but uh, that's a good point but yeah i think i think i think the fan base is fired up i mean this is our first chance to host a tournament game in a really long time um that's still a big mm-hmm. deal um for for this fan base it kind of sucks that I, I imagine notre dame and umass are playing at you know, six o'clock or earlier in the evening and we get the really late game. This is kind of a, a preview though of what it's like for ACC fans. They play 9 p.m. regular season games all the time Ugh. because of the, the windows for TV. So, um, yeah, it sucks, but I think people will still be pumped up.
0: Are either one of you going?
2: As of right now, uh, I will not be there. It's past my bedtime.
1: I do not think I'm going to spend the $25 on a, on a ticket to go, so – but we'll see. We'll see. I've got to work on Saturday, but I don't know if I'm, if I'm feeling up to it. We might uh, throw the PJs on and pack the LNC at 9 o'clock. So, Adam, I saw where you made a few notes on on this team. It kind of seems like even though this is a 4-versus-13 matchup, OU's got kind of a tricky draw in front of them on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, just from looking at the the three other teams that are in this uh, this bracket here, you've got Uwe uh, Pooey, as they're uh, known as, Indiana University, Purdue University of Indianapolis. Um, they're 24 and 6 on the year. Two of those losses actually coming from uh, COVID uh, forfeits. So, um, and then two pretty big wins, or I guess um, they took number 11 Michigan to overtime, and ended up losing that game, um, and then uh, beat number 15 Iowa earlier in the year. So, a very capable team, very dangerous. OU certainly on upset alert here. Um, they need to make sure they're buttoned up, not turn the ball over nearly as much as they were in the Big 12 tournament. Um, so certainly a very dangerous team, and they actually shoot the three ball better than OU does with all of the um, you know three point shooters that OU has on their team and the running gun and all that. Um still a, a very dangerous team. You look at the other game that's going on, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, you know, plays in a much tougher conference than some of these other schools. Not as great on the road, so I'm not super concerned about them. Um, they're actually coming off their, um, you know, first year, not playing in the tournament in over 24 years, uh, last year. So, um, they're returning, they don't have actually a whole lot of players that have played in the tournament before. So it's not like they're bringing in a super, you know, well-versed experienced team. Um, and then UMass, um, it's their first appearance in a really long time as well. I think that, um, they're probably the worst team out of the, out of the four here in the bracket. So honestly, I think if OU gets past that first game against, uh, Pooey, then, uh, They're probably in good shape, and that's fun to say. you got to love that.
1: Yeah, OU versus Oui Pooey, 9 o'clock on on Saturday night. Uh, Definitely take the over on on this one if you have any interest in in betting on this one in Vegas. But this is a team that's, uh, like you said, Adam, extremely well shooting the three-point line. Um, They average just over eight threes made per game, and they shoot. Uh, a little over 20 to 21 threes a game. So much like Taylor Robertson, Maddie Williams, over on the opposing sideline, you're going to get a, a team that's going to, you know, sh- sh- they'd love to shoot it from behind the arc. So uh, just a couple names to keep your eye on for those attending the game on Saturday night. Number 50, Macy Williams down low uh, for Uwe Pooey, averaging 18.7 points a game, 10.6 rebounds for her. Offense kind of runs through that girl. They try to get it down there uh, to her on the block. Collapse the defense, pop it back out. Then you've got girls like Rachel McLemore and Rachel Kent, both girls shooting over 40% from the three-point line. So um, OU's got to shut down Macy Williams first and foremost um, and play good defense out on the perimeter. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. As far as expectations for how far this team can go, um, this is a really, really tough region for Oklahoma, even though they are the number four seed. They did draw number one seed NC State. Oh, and by the way, if you somehow finish, uh, figure out a way to knock off NC State in the Sweet 16, chances are you're going to have Geno Ariyama and UConn waiting for you uh, to go to the Final Four. So, in
2: Bridgeport fantastic too. season for Jenny in their backyard in Bridgeport. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, in terms of expectations, what what I consider this to be a success: win both games this weekend, figure out a way to get to the Sweet 16 against the number one seed, and I think you could chalk that that up as a damn fine year for Ginny Baranchek and OU women's basketball.
0: Yeah, that's what should be expected, right? Um, but I kind of worry about this opening round because, listen, I'm not going to pretend I watch a ton of women's basketball this year, but all the final scores that OU gives up, OU gives up points. They score points, but they give up points too. And so if you faced a hot shooting team, like everything indicates that they're going to, um, kind of look out for upset alert there in, uh, in Norman.
2: Yeah, it's going to be different because OU doesn't have a ton of size on the interior, um, usually that's what you see. The big difference is, you know, power team going against a, uh, non-power conference. You know, they're going to have the bigger players. Not so in this case, OU is really just gonna have to rely on better athletes, um, faster pace of play, um, better three point shooting from, from, uh, Taylor Robertson and Cruz. So, um, certainly, uh, a dangerous team to play there in the first round, if they can get past that, Hey, take your chances, get into the sweet 16 and, and see what you can do against the Wolfpack.
1: I said just a little while ago how important it was going to be for OU to shut down the the post-presence of number 50 Macy Williams. That's going to be challenging for this group because we don't know with Oklahoma. It seems like there's a little bit of uncertainty up in the air right now with the status of Skylar Van. Um, kind of seems like she got a little bit injured towards the end of the Big 12 tournament this past weekend. So um, her status for Saturday, it looks like she is a go at this point right now, but we'll just see how impacted she is by that. And um, like I said, I feel like we made this bet probably a month ago. Better chance of OU women's basketball making it to the, what was it, to the Elite Eight or Mm -hmm. OU men's basketball making the NCAA tournament. I think Adam was the only one that took the women's side. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of credit, Adam.
0: I have a gut feel we're both going to be wrong.
2: Probably. I mean, (laughs) it's going to be tough to get to the Elite Eight, but um, I don't count them out. I mean, OU's beaten Baylor twice this year, so they have the ability to beat some really good teams. Um, as far as like if we were looking at a grade for this year um, quickly, I'll just give them an A. I mean, it, it's been a great year. Um, it's pointing this program in the right direction. You feel like we're, we're back to what we used to be um, back when Sherry Cole was dominating the scene for her first probably 15 years on campus. And so, um, got to be competitive. Pumped. No matter whether they lose on, on Saturday or whether they go to the final so, four. So,
0: if they get, if they, you're telling me if they get bounced in the first round, this season is still an A? There's no
2: way. Because the expectations no were so, so low. We didn't even think they would make the tournament.
0: But everything you're you just saying about the men's pooey. team, is you're, you're completely the, like, going the, the opposite direction. The men's program
2: has made the tournament many years in a row, um, probably something like nine out of the last ten. So they have a more recent track record of great success than this women's program does. The women's program, the we women's program in- has miss,
0: missed the tournament one time in, what, the past 20 years?
2: Mm. Sherry
0: had, had him on a streak there, I think, of 18 years straight. I
2: think she missed I don't think 19, they've, 20, and 21, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, I don't yeah. think they've made the last two or three. So
0: well, twenty wasn't a tournament. Okay. But I don't
2: think they so were. On,
1: missed
0: the think they missed the tournament twice in to 20 years? Either, okay.
1: I've got him at a B-plus right now. I mean, it's, it's all around. It's a really good start to the year. I mean, if you would have told me going into this year that they were going to make the Big 12 semifinals, even just win a game in the conference tournament, Sherry didn't do that for for the last five or six years, so yep. that's already a success in its own. But you're a number four seed, hosting the first two rounds in your own building against teams like Ui Pooey. You've got if you if you can figure out a way to win your region this weekend, that that's an A plus for me. That's fantastic. Yep. It's fair. So, all right, guys,
0: let's shift topics here. Uh, head to another dominant women's sport there in norman and that softball guys we finally broke through jocelyn allo hits the uh, the home run record in her home state which was really cool again i called this the past two weeks not a big deal but kind of a big deal um guys sooners dominate an easy uh four five and oh i'm losing track of wins at this point uh down in hawaii um Moving forward, schedule outlook, a just gauntlet of a Hall of Fame classic in Oklahoma City going up against teams with a combined record of 57 and 55. Uh, would fully expect Oklahoma to come through this uh, unscathed again this weekend. Sam Houston Indiana, San Diego, Iowa, Houston—all just monster softball names. Uh, so, yeah, guys, OU is going to skate by again uh, heading forward into this weekend. Don't expect any sort of uh, trouble games; should all be run rules. Um, and then you start heading, you know, getting closer into conference play. I think they've got a few more games after that. But status quo, guys. But really cool for Jocelyn Allo to hit the the home run in her home state. Um, that's got to mean something. That uh, I'm not sure any of us can can put a similarity on in our lives, but, uh, but yeah, I think the big question now is, and I think Adam, you asked this before is Jocelyn Nago going to be pitched to moving forward. In my opinion, yes. I think this opens the floodgates people pitch to her like normal. I'm not going to say they don't pitch around her, but I don't think we'll just see intentional walk after intentional walk moving forward.
2: Yeah. And that's encouraging. Um, I would hate to see it go through the entire rest of the regular season where everyone just plays scared of her. And that's so silly though, that, no one wanted to give up a record setting home run. Like no one's going to remember. No, no one even knows who the Hawaii pitcher is. Most people probably couldn't tell you that we were even playing Hawaii in that game. Um, And we're only a few days Mm. removed from um, that great accomplishment. And so Mm. it's kind of silly that that teams were doing that, but yeah, I would love to see her get back in regular rhythm um, as we go into the uh, meat of conference play this challenge in OKC against all these different teams. There's really no one that stands out there. That's going to be super challenging. Oh, you should, probably run rule every single one of those i mean they're they run ruling everyone as it is right now so um yeah
1: yeah shout out to houston's coach and, and houston's or excuse me hawaii's coach and hawaii's pitcher for uh, uh actually want to be competitors and, and challenge mm-hmm. these hitters in this ou lineup so it, it was really really cool um, we've heard Patty talk for the last couple of weeks how it's it's kind of been you know weighing on Jocelyn a little bit, being pitched around to uh, all the intentional walks. You can kind of see uh, at, at times the frustration on her face, but being able to go back to her home state, hit that bomb in front of her friends, her family in her home state, kind of feels like it made the last two to three weeks of frustration completely worth it. So, uh, and, and shout out to Chris Plank, friend of the podcast, uh, just a, just an absolute fantastic call. Uh, capturing that moment for for Jocelyn and that team and that family. But um, I'm not sure. I I think that, Corbin, you're exactly right. I think that there will be times where um, teams do intentionally walk Jocelyn. Um, But like I said last week, now that you're kind of getting into the meteor schedule, conference play is starting, once you get into the Super Regionals and even the College World Series, teams with elite pitching, they're going to have absolutely no choice but to pitch to Jocelyn. OU's lineup from top to bottom, one through nine, uh, it is the best in college softball right now. So um, I'm I'm very excited about this. And guys, do we still feel confident that um, OU is going to run the table on this or um, are we going to walk into this postseason play undefeated?
2: Man, it's so tough to go undefeated. It's I, At least from my perspective as a fan, I think a lot of the fan base, we're kind of in cruise control until we play Texas or Oklahoma State at this point and then um, yeah. actually get into postseason play. Um, there's just, it's kind of like, that was the, the last little thing that we were waiting on was the, the Jocelyn Allo home run record. And then now it's right. like, okay, well, how are they going to finish the regular season? How are they going to set themselves up for postseason? So, um, yeah, I'm not really sure what to, whether they will or not, that's super, certainly hard to do, but you can't really make too many cases as far as where they might lose or where they might slip up.
0: I think I'd prefer him to lose a couple throughout the regular season. If you would be honest, don't go into you know postseason play with the expectations of not only winning a national championship, potentially doing it in an undefeated fashion, being one of the probably the greatest team ever. There's just no need mm-hmm. to have that pressure. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind it. I don't think Patty would mind a couple losses along the way. They've certainly been tested up to this point, which has been nice looking back to uh, to Tennessee and uh, Utah uh, in an uh, earlier tournament, but. To me, I, I don't, I don't care if, uh, yeah, I don't care if this team is undefeated or not. But you know, as long well, as they get to where we think they can go, it'll be a successful season.
1: Well, I think it was this time last year when Oklahoma uh, traveled out to Athens, Georgia, for that um, you know mid, kind of midweek doubleheader where OU lost their first game of the year. And looking back at it, Patty Gasso kind of made the comment saying that that loss to Georgia was probably the best thing that could have happened to that team because they had an opportunity 30 minutes after that game, they bounced back in a big way, run ruled Georgia, and that kind of springboarded them in throughout the rest of the regular season. But, um, no team is invincible, you know, as good as OU is both in the lineup and in the circle. Um, it just takes one off day for, uh, and, and a team getting hot and catching them. But guys, I still at the end of the day, I don't know what team in college softball is going to be able to beat this team two times. And that's what it's going to take to knock OU out of contention for another national championship.
2: Yep. I agree. Now, speaking, speaking of,
1: of national championship aspirations, and a team
2: that is invincible. <laughs> how about OU baseball, right? Uh, most people would save, you know, or put the very best topic at the beginning of the podcast. We do the opposite. We put it at the end, which is, is baseball. So uh, since our last podcast, four and O three, and zero against UTSA and then got a win over air force this afternoon. Um, Two teams that are not particularly good. So it was good to see that OU really got the, the ball moving there. More than eight runs uh, you know, played in, in each of those games. And so um, going into the that series against UTSA, OU was hitting uh, 238 on average, which is not particularly great. You have to scroll through four or five pages on the NCAA website to actually find them on the stat book there. Um, came out of that weekend series against UTSA hitting 267. I'm got off to a little bit slow start this afternoon against air force, but um, really started running Mm -hmm. up over the course of time. So saw some really good pitching from your, your weekend starters as well. Starting to feel a little bit more confident that David Sandlin is the guy on Saturday, or at least a part of that weekend rotation. He had some shaky starts against UCLA and and, uh, Arizona earlier in the year, but um, yeah, I mean, this is what you want to see from this team. I'm still not ready to like get super, super excited about where they're heading. Um, But I mean, they're doing what they're supposed to do against some of these these not so great teams, and they're getting some RPI help from uh, some of them as well, like Dallas Baptist is currently number two in the RPI. Long way to go, but mm-hmm. if they stay relatively high, that could be something that could really help OU once we get into some postseason seeding, if OU's in the running for that.
1: Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Adam. I mean the the teams that OU's played this past weekend, the team, the Air Force, the two games this week, uh, New Orleans this weekend. Th- those aren't going to be any type of you know resume boosters, RPI uh, boosters, but. What do what do good team What do good teams do regardless of the level of competition? They execute and they take care of business. So uh, OU taking all three, sweeping UTSA last week. We'll see if they can you know knock off Air Force again tomorrow, and then you go into this upcoming weekend with a three game series against New Orleans. So you have an opportunity to come out of this upcoming weekend fourteen and five. That's a pretty good record going into one more midweek series before you open up Big Twelve conference play on the road at Baylor. So once we know, just like basketball. Once you get into Big 12 conference play in baseball, there's no guarantees. There's no easy series. So um, in terms of OU wanting to ultimately make a regional, much less host regional, you got to take care of business over the next seven to 10 days and uh, build some good momentum going into postseason play.
2: Yeah. And I think the two things that I'm watching over the next course of the four or five games is. Uh, can the bullpen improve? Because the the starters have been pretty solid for OU. Once the bullpen comes in, then we start giving up plenty of runs there. Uh, and then secondly, can the bats stay hot and continue to to put up a bunch of runs against some inferior competition there and uh, bring some momentum has, once you get into some tougher teams?
1: Has that surprised you, Adam, with our head coach being kind of this pitching guru? Um, you know, Clayton Kershaw works with him every single offseason. The, the bullpen, it seems like, they've struggled year in and year out as for as long as skip johnson's been here so is that just kind of a uh, i guess you can't even call it a one-off because it's been a problem that's you know happened over the last two to three years but um oh you've they, they've had their chances they'll ha- they'd have a much better record right now um if the bullpen could pick things up
2: yeah it is odd um kind of in a ironic way but i think this is probably the second best pitching rotation that uh, ou has had under skip johnson second to the 2020 team that season was also got canceled about this same time uh in that point in the season so um i like the starters the the bullpen has never been quite there it is weird that you know you've got a what was thought of as an ace pitching coach and skip johnson you can't get that Mm -hmm. quite ironed out but um it is what it is and so just got to work through it and hopefully that they, they can do that. Um, I guess the, the one other item of note as far as OU baseball goes is that the OU Texas series, which was scheduled to be played in Norman in early April was moved to Globe Life Park, uh, a place that OU has played several games this year. So that will be considered a, and I'm mm-hmm. doing air quotes, neutral site game, <laughs> or neutral site series rather against Texas, who was ranked number one uh, up until this, this week, they've uh, slid down to number two, but, I don't know how do you guys feel about that?
1: I hope it was a fat check that Oklahoma received to move that because that that's the biggest series on your schedule every single year. We all know that OSU we sp- don't we still split it Adam play one in Tulsa, one in Stillwater, one Oklahoma or one in Norman. Uh that's not
0: how I saw it this year.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this year I'll, typically you would play one in Oklahoma City, one in Tulsa and then uh, maybe one at the home of one of the schools, but it's it's kind of moved around quite a bit.
1: I don't know if this is going to be a permanent thing going forward. This kind of neutral site, you know, venue for this OU Texas baseball series. I hope that it's not simply because of the fact, from a fan experience, you know the the product on the field that we see from opposing teams that come into Norman consistently, consistently when it comes to baseball season is not always the best. So when you can welcome in your arch rival, a top three team in college baseball for a three game series at home, absolutely. Fans are going to be juiced for that. Students are going to be juiced for that. So uh, not a fan of them moving it out there unless we received a pretty hefty compensation for it, but we'll see if it happens
0: moving forward. Are you guys less opposed to it with the move to the SEC, knowing that conference play will present better teams than probably what we're seeing in the Big 12?
2: Yeah cuz I think you know you get Arkansas in town uh, Vanderbilt's a very you know well respected program there's some other new teams yeah A&M would Florida, come in town yeah. I mean they're all good Ole Miss, I I like State, playing them yeah.
1: I like playing these games on campus or very similar to like what we were just talking about play a game in Austin play a game in Norman play a game um, in, in Dallas a Globe Life Field you know it doesn't necessarily have to be a three game three straight day series uh, but maybe do one in the non-conference, one in conference play, and then close out the year with it. So, yeah. I don't know. Logistics, I'm sure it's a nightmare, but it would be nice to con- to see that continue to go uh, be a home-and-home home series.
2: Yeah, we saw just a couple of weeks ago OU playing LSU at Minute Maid in Houston, and if you looked at that stadium, um, basically from home plate down the entire first baseline, just packed with LSU fans, and then from home plate down the third mm-hmm. baseline, it was mostly Texas fans and Tennessee fans, because they had games after that. Um, and then a couple of OU fans sprinkled in. So I think it will be at least 75, 25 Texas fans for this series at Globe Life, which- percent oh, Which is kind of- OU fans
0: of, only travel for football. It's that's It's
2: true, it. yeah. And, and so that's why it's kind of odd. Mm-hmm. Like Globe Life is cool. It's new. It's huge though. Um, I guess it's indoors, so there's an advantage there. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, man, if you wanted to have something really unique and special, I almost would rather just go to Rough Riders Park in Frisco, which holds 10,000- Make it a little bit harder ticket to get, a little bit more valuable. Maybe that would drive some interest from OU fans if it was yeah. you know, more more prized possession, I guess.
1: Well, and like we talked about with the baseball lockout, you know, kind of being drug on, and opening day being pushed back. You know, Global Life Field said that the biggest reason that they wanted to do this was they wanted to bring in some baseball to be able to fill those open dates since the start of baseball season got pushed back a few weeks. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see if this uh, if this holds true, um, you know, moving forward every season after this. But, um, Adam, one final thing before we, you know, kind of wrap this thing up. Um, we love talking about our spring sports. We know that men's and women's basketball is winding down, but spring football is kicking off next week. Uh, the start of the Brent Venables era, they, those guys are going to get out on the practice field. So, um Going into next week, we will have a loaded spring football preview uh, podcast episode and um, look forward to that. Start talking some X's and O's with Brent Venables and uh, Dylan Gabriel.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff going on that we didn't even talk football um, this week. And so kind of an exciting time that you can focus on some other sports that maybe don't get nearly as much spotlight. We try to um talk about as many of them as we can throughout the year we pride ourselves on being a podcast that covers um, a lot of different sports and not just football solely because we know people have interest in a lot of different areas so um and i do want
1: to apologize ahead of time um women's gymnastics is going to be competing just a few miles down the road from corbin's house Um, don't think the plan is for him to be in attendance but uh i don't know we'll see if that changes towards the end of the week
0: yeah i wish i could make it uh Got like couples date night, you know, snuck it in there. And I completely forgot it was Saturday night. We, you know, women's gym championship. So you win some, you lose some, but it would have been a blast to go. DU's got a great venue. So it would have been really cool.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, well, that'll do it for us this week. We appreciate everyone listening. If Again, check out the uh, bracket contest on our Twitter page. Uh, We've got that on there. Give us a follow there, enter the contest, have a chance at winning the 150 bucks. And of course, we always appreciate uh, any five-star reviews that you guys give us on Apple Podcasts as well. So uh, we will see everyone again next week on the Mainline Podcast.